You are now listening to the Dual Position Podcast. The boys are back to talk all things Super Coach all season long. Please welcome your hosts, Whisper and Brew. We are so close to the footy season, mate. So, so close. And a side that I feel is close to making the finals is the Warriors. Plenty of love for, for the Warriors among the community. Uh, plenty of high hopes for them this year. I've chopped and changed my ladder so, so much. So it's hard to really give a an accurate breakdown. They could fall anywhere between sort of 11th and 13th, I feel. What about you, mate? I've got them in 12th, but I actually feel like I might have stitched them up a bit. I'm, I'm getting uh, a lot warmer on the Warriors. I think they could... I think they'll probably end up but somewhere between 8th and 12th. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure. I've liked what I've seen from them, and I like some of the signings they've got. I think they're going in the right direction this season. Definitely, definitely. Plenty of guys that we can touch on this episode. For anyone watching on YouTube, you'll see that Brew is no longer heavily pixelated, so we've managed to work that out. He looks somehow better than what he did beforehand. It's not very hard when you've got a head like his. But... Moving into to the Warriors, mate. Look, last year, up and down. I mean, the last two years have been up and down for them, really. It's been so many, so much unknown about where they're going to be playing their footy, which a lot of sides can't say the same. Maybe Melbourne in that first COVID year. But everyone's getting back to some normality, but the poor old Warriors aren't. If they don't get a full season in New Zealand next year or the year after, then there's something seriously wrong. Last year, they finished 12th. They had a, what is that, eight and 16 record, uh, if I can count. They had a 5-7 and seven record at home, which is fine for a side that's in 12th. The issue was the 3-9 and nine record in games that they were away from home or games that they were considered the away side. Obviously, last year, every game was away from home with them. Uh, on average, Brew, they put up 18.8 points a game, which saw them sit in 13th and considered 20 points a game, which saw them in 12th. So pretty much 19 points for, 20 points against, kind of there or thereabouts if they can improve that defense a little bit. Um, or with Reese Walsh getting a year older, they got SJ back there. That attack can can push up three or four points on average. They'll they'll definitely be in the mix for, for the top eight spot. When it comes to the gains and losses, uh, Sean Johnson from Cronulla, Aaron Penne from Melbourne, Jesse Arthur's on loan from Brisbane for one year only, and Ash Taylor has come over from the Titans. When it comes to their losses, Paul Turner from the Gold Coast to the Gold Coast Titans, Sean O'Sullivan to Penrith, Peter Hickey, Chad Townsend, and Jermaine Snoor Brown off to the North Queensland Cowboys, uh, David Fusatua off to Leeds in the UK, Kane Evans off to Hull, uh, Tom Alley, Jackson Freya were unsigned, and Lisa Armout retired, and the biggest loss of them all, Sean Johnson uh, to Rugby Union. When it comes to the ins, mate, no bigger in really than Sean Johnson when it comes to the culture around that club. I think he was begging for this move. It didn't particularly work out too well at the Titans. And I think any general NRL fan loves to see SJ back uh, playing for the Warriors. Just footnote that it's Roger Tuovasa-Shek to rugby in case what, what people did I get say? in the comments and ask. You said Sean Johnson. Oh, sorry. I'm just out of it. Yeah. Roger Tuovasa-Shek to rugby. Jesus, sorry. Uh, yeah. Sean Johnson didn't come to the Warriors On- and then he, he didn't come and then leave the same season. No, RTS to, to rugby. I'm so sorry. With SJ, yeah. Look, he never wanted to leave the club, so I, I guess he's quite happy to be returning to the club. And I think it's the right move. I I, know, I don't personally think they ever should have got rid of him. Just because they weren't winning comps with him in the side didn't mean that they needed to not offer him a contract and tell him to look elsewhere. So I'm glad he's home. 
Yeah, so hopefully it works out better for him. Obviously, his best footy is probably behind him when it comes to like the sheer the sheer electricity. Brilliant. Yeah, like that he had like 2012 to 20 what 16, 15, 16. Like he was just on top of the world and a couple of lower body injuries didn't help. A couple of rough seasons at the Sharks where he, I don't know, he didn't really seem to settle too well. Like he had one great season then it just seemed to whether it be injuries or, or him just not wanting to be there, whatever. But, yeah, I think it's worked out well for, for both parties. Sean Johnson leaves, they get Nico Hines, and then SJ gets to go back to, to where he really wants to go. Uh, Aaron Penning, uh, good signing from Melbourne. No, not as high, not as much as a good prospect as someone like a Tino. Like, we know Tino coming off the bench for Melbourne uh, was very, very highly rated and then obviously went to the Titans. Aaron Penning, similar build or similar mould of player, I would say, but probably doesn't have the wraps on him that someone like Atino had. Um, but I feel like he definitely has a spot somewhere thereabouts in this in this Titan setup. And yeah, he could be a very, very handy addition for them. I think he's a great addition for them. I've got I've definitely got him in my 17, I'll say that much. Yeah, uh, as do I coming off the bench. Um, Jesse Arthurs, I also like this pickup on loan. We'll fill a hole in the centres for them. They, they'd lost Peter Hicker as well. Um, for some reason, wasn't on. Oh, he was there. Yeah, so Peter Hicker's left. They have a hole to fill there at centre. Yeah, I've, I've got Arthur's in the four jersey. I think it's down to him and Pompey for the last spot, but Pompey's got a lot of errors in his game, and I think Arthur's kind of suits suits their style this year. I think they're going to have an electric back line, and he, he fits the mould. If his defence is up to scratch, I really hope that he's the one getting that four jersey. And one of the biggest feel-good stories, I would say, this preseason, uh, Ash Taylor on a train and trial deal, obviously impressed enough to be promoted to the top 30. Uh, and yeah, just really happy for him. Like he's the, the monkey's off his back. Not his fault. That he signed a massive contract. Um, if someone waves that much money in front of you as a young kid, of course you're going to take it. So he's got rid of that stigma now, and hopefully he can find his feet and play some of the best footy that he can. Hopefully he's kept a lot of that money because he's never getting a contract that big again. I actually haven't been able to find a spot for him in the side in the squad. I'm not sure where he's going to fit, but he's certainly a handy backup for them to have. I wanted him to start. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I watched the trial last week. He, he controlled a lot of the kicking that didn't particularly well, it didn't particularly go down too well. So maybe that puts a red line for him. Cody is Cody. So we'll touch on that when we come to our sort of sides, but yeah, Ash Taylor, um, yeah, hopefully that he can just be, be a little bit more free, not, not so much the leader of a side. Um, and yeah, just play his best footy. When it comes to the losses, let's touch on Tilvasashek. It's a huge loss, not only on the field, but just what he brought to the Warriors off the field. Um, look, originally I had Rocco Berry primed as sort of the next New Zealand fullback, and then Reese Walsh sort of emerged, come from the Broncos, and, and took that over like a house on fire. But I think it was fantastic. Like, it just shows a lot about RTS as a bloke when he wanted to come on and play through the middle, a little bit of a 13, or he was happy to sit on the wing. He knew that he was leaving but he didn't want to leave the club high and dry. And they and Roger basically just gave the keys to uh, Reese Walsh and said, you have the jersey, I'll try and mentor you the best I can. So I think that it speaks a lot about RTS just as a person, that he was able to put his ego aside and, and do what was best for the for the side. And I know that uh, as a Roosters fan, mate, you were probably devastated to see him go um, when he did a job for you guys in the wing. I certainly was at the time, but we kind of replaced him with a guy called James Tedesco. So that healed the... Um Healed the wound a little bit, but but RTS is just a – he's a fantastic bloke. He's a good fella, and you're right. Like, he, he, he was very club first, team first. He wasn't about himself. He was very selfless in his decision to say, hey, I'll, I'll play wherever you want. Let Reese have the fullback jersey. 
uh, good man, RTS, good man. We touched on Sean O'Sullivan in the trial roundup about why we weren't too sure. He's basically, Sean O'Sullivan has left the Warriors behind a quality halfback in Sean Johnson and he's left to go to the Panthers in a better side with a better halfback. So I'm not understanding why he's left because he's definitely good. We saw this in the trials. Like he is good enough to be playing first grade footy. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I'm dumbfounded by the decision. Like obviously Penrith's a club everyone wants to go to, but I don't think you want to go there when Nathan Cleary and Jerome Luai are in front of you. No. Uh, Jermaine's Noah Brown off to North Queensland. Good signing for them. Good depth signing. Another middle that they can have there. Uh, the Warriors seem to be loaded with middles, so not too mu- not too much skin off their nose. Paul Turner off to the ti- uh, off to the Titans didn't really have a spot in the side for the, for the Warriors. Doesn't really have a spot in the side for the Titans, so kind of there or thereabouts. Uh, David Fusatua seemed really unsettled the last twenty four months. Like just ever since COVID hit, he just sort of seemed to yeah just not overly be settled. Who knows what's what's going on there? But hopefully he finds some of his best footy again uh, playing for Leeds. I reckon the less said about Kane Evans, the better. That was a disaster, wasn't it? He's a disaster. I, good luck. See you later, mate. <laughs> um, Jackson uh, free, free, Tom Ale, unsigned. Okay. And Lisa Armel retired. Lisa Armel, a bit of a cult hero. Uh, around the Warriors, I wouldn't be surprised to see him hang around the club a little bit. Um, once they get back to New Zealand, I'm sure that Lisa Armel just wants to go back to New Zealand for a, a, for a year or so and just unwind and then who knows when when the Warriors are based back in New Zealand he's definitely someone that I could feel they come in and either an either like a consultant role or like a forward mentor um he's definitely a solid hand to have in your coaching stuff yeah definitely hopefully he gets a gig uh it's also worth noting that they the Warriors have picked up a couple of signings for 2023 I had it on my phone and then it just dropped off uh they've got Murata Niakori coming from Parramatta in 2023 and they've also got Luke Metcalf coming from Cronulla as well so not too sure where Met- oh, another half. Not too sure where Metcalf sits in that pecking order, but Nikore is a fantastic signing for twenty twenty three. I can see by your reaction, not too impressed. Oh, don't get me wrong, I really like Metcalf, but they've already got this Gogmire of halves and don't know what to do with them, and they're just going to go and add another one. Yeah, I mean he could play a bit of fullback, <laughs> but then you've got Reese Walsh there. So what do you do? Hey, they've got a dream draw to start the season. Dragons at home, Titans away, Tigers away, Broncos home, Cowboys at home. Uh, one side in that sort of pack that played top eight footy last year and a lot of people aren't having the Titans playing top eight footy this year. So, yeah, pretty pretty dream draw. There's a lot of assets there that people are targeting because of the draw. Oh, there's, there's quite a few blokes in this side that I am really, really interested in. I've got AFB in my side at the moment, I'm pretty sure. I've got... Alyssa Katoa, who I'm really set on now with that draw and the fact that he's playing on the right outside SJ. And then obviously Aitken, Curran, they're the flavours of the month. There's just so many options in this side when it comes to Supercoach. And then, bam, they've got a fantastic draw to start. A couple of good pods in the back line as well. And then SJ seems to be one of the most favourited halves uh, because we'll probably never get him at this price again if he can, if he can find his form again. When it comes to injuries and suspensions, they've got Reese Walsh out to round three. They're going to try and press this. They're going to do the Latrell Mitchell thing and try and get a week taken off this because of the uh, All-Stars game. They've got Tohu coming back anywhere from round six to ten. I've got it probably on the later end of that spectrum, probably rounds eight to ten, uh, coming off the back of the ACL. And then I think Matt Lodge is also out for a week or two. 
Uh, I don't think he is. He's there for for round one. So something to worth note. Um, what do you want to do, mate? Today, do you want to do the best seventeen, or you want to do their sort of round one seventeens? I'll be doing the best seventeen. I'm just looking up to see. I don't think I have Matt Lodge on my list of suspended. Players. I couldn't find anything, but I also remember reading that he might not be there. I oh, know round one. He's back round. He's out round one. Back round two. I do have him cool. on the list. All right. So let's just let's just say we're, we're naming our side from round three. So we'll we'll skip the first two weeks because then that's when Reese Walsh comes back. So at fullback, obviously no surprise. I think you and I both will have Reese Walsh. Uh, absolute revelation last year. Came onto the scene, killed it. Um, just a, a lot of flair. A lot, like he's just got a bit of swagger about him. Uh, he took it basically from game one as well, from when he came in and started. Like he didn't shy away from it, and uh, plenty of highlights for him. And I think with a, a good half in SJ and Cody Nikarima as well, that yeah, he will just go strength to strength this year. Yeah, I expect a good season, but I would kind of taper the expectations a little bit. I think some people think he's going to be, you know, Tom Trebojevic this year. I don't think he's going to be up in that, you know, top four or five, but he'll be he'll be a lot like Ponga, I think. I think you'll see he'll be at like a 60 to 65 average fullback, which is still very solid. Yeah, that's my next question. I was going to ask where you project him. I've got him sort of in the upper echelons of 65 plus, so I've got him somewhere between 67 and 70. Um, if he gets the goal kicking, that's that's a caveat. If he doesn't have the goal kicking, then I'll probably drop him down to 61, 62. Um, but yeah, really excited to see what Reese Walsh develops into uh, as a Queenslander myself. Uh, and then we, we move into the wingers. Uh, one of them picks themselves in Dallin with Teddy Zelezniak, who could be a sneaky pod. Probably one of the biggest pod shouts I've got, uh, especially if he's on that right edge with SJ. Like, we know SJ just loves that bullet ball to, to the wingers and... And who knows what's going to happen. DWZ, I think he's at mid 400k, sort of 440, 450. Um, good work rate, good tackle bust ability. Jesse Ramian with better try scoring. So, yeah, he could definitely shoot up to 60, 65 if him and SJ click on that combination. Definitely good. And I hadn't actually factored in the whole SJ right side winger of the past situation. It's not a bad shout. I just think there's better shouts. And I personally won't be spending that much money in in the centers. I prefer, I don't know how, how spicy this is, but plenty of people are going Tyrell Sloan. I'd rather go DWZ for the first five weeks. Similar price, better draw. I don't think he's got as much uh, electric upside that Sloan has, but I think DWZ is a much safer option given the draw and it'll probably equal out. I, I would say DWZ probably... I hate saying that DWZ um, doesn't roll off the tongue too well. Probably, no, no, he'll, he'll probably average more. I'd say uh, to start the season, and Sloan will have more by the end of the season. Oh yeah, hundred, hundred percent. When it comes to total average, Sloan will out average him. But for the first five or six weeks, I just think DWZ has a better floor and a better ceiling. So I'd prefer that shout over someone like Sloan. I'm not looking at either because um, I'm going dirt cheap in my center wings to afford some other people, um, but. Yeah, I just I just much prefer DWZ over over someone like Sloan for the first month and a bit. Um, I'm assuming he's picked in your side, like no no debating there. No, yeah, he's yeah. he's on the wing. And someone that really impressed me in the trials last week, Marcelo Montoya. He makes his way into my wing spot too with a with a really good combination with Rocco Berry, who I've also named at left center. Yep, hundred percent. I'm I'm agreeing on that, and they were very very impressive on the weekend. I'm looking to see if if they can do it again this weekend. Uh, I'm very excited to see what Rocco Berry can become. 
Uh, plenty of wraps on him coming out of camp. He can play both sides of the field. He's not limiting himself to being a left-sided center. So if anything happens, he can definitely shift over. Uh, a very, very good defender. Very, very good tackle efficiency. And he just needs to find a little bit of a tackle. And at 320K, he could be he could be anything. Like, I'm, I'm very excited to see what Rockerberry can become. Considering he's played very little NRL. Um, coming from a rugby background, obviously. Like, yeah, I'm... I can't talk up enough about how keen I am just to watch him from an NRL perspective and develop as a player. I think he's a real sneaky shout to, to start. Like 320, even if you go in the cheapy center range, 320 is there or thereabouts. I don't mind it. I'm a, I've been looking at it. I, I have in the last week have sides where they have Barry, but given I'm pretty much locked into going Tom Turbo myself now, I've had to shed every dollar I could. So... Barry's not currently in, but he's someone I'm seriously sneaking, thinking about sneaking in as a pod. Yeah, if someone like Will Panettini uh, doesn't deliver it yet, yet again in, in the trial, I think Barry's only 40k more. So if you wanted to find the extra 40k and go Rocco Barry's a bit of a pod shed over someone like a Panettini or someone like a Talon May, if he's in your side, a little bit of news uh, as I'm recording live. We're recording this on... What is it? Wednesday today? Yeah, Thursday, sorry. Um, Talon May's been named to play New South Wales Cup this weekend, so probably put the red line through him there, unfortunately. So, yeah, if you find the extra money, Rocco Berry could be a fantastic shout. And you also mentioned, Brew, uh, you have Jesse Arthurs in your center wing spots when we were touching on um, the, the inclusions. I've also got Jesse Arthurs as my four. Probably a shootout between him and Adam Pompey. I know that there's a young bloke. Oh, I don't want to butcher his name. Um, but he's been named to play this weekend in the trials. I, I, I wouldn't read too much into that. Um, yeah, I'd probably... Have Jesse Arthurs or Adam Pompey as the first two choices there for the vacant right centre spot. Agree. I think it's only the only position really up for up for debate is that that centre spot. I think the rest of them pretty much locked in. All right. So the halfbacks and five eighth, Sean Johnson. Obviously, he's not signing to fill the water bottles and, and run the oranges out at halftime. He'll be there at seven. Uh, been practicing his goal kicking this preseason, but we're not too sure whether it'll be him or Reese Welsh. We know that SJ does have those lower body concerns, so trying to limit the kicking might be the best option, but definitely trials will, will help us get a better understanding of that. And the six, I've also got Cody Nicorima. Bit of a shootout here between Chanel Harris Tavita and Ash Taylor himself as well, uh, but I've got Cody edging him out the best. I've got SJ, but I've got it with CHT myself. I, I think they've been working preseason on CHT being the starter, and they've been working on a few combinations. So I think he's going to get first crack. Fair, fair enough. Um, time, time will tell. I think you can go, you can go either of the two, depending on on what you want. Uh, Schneel's probably more of your running half next to SJ, whereas uh, Cody is more of that controlling guy, and and it'll be interesting to see what. What option Nathan Brown wants to go down, whether he wants two controlling halves to allow Reese Walsh to play his best, or he wants two sort of runners in Walsh and Chanel Harris-Tavito, and he wants SJ to be controlling or or whatnot. I'm not, not too sure as to... I think it comes down to how they want to use SJ, to be honest. Um, depends if they want to unleash SJ or if they want to have him just play that sort of... Um, not game... Game manager. Yeah, game manager. That's what I was trying to, I was trying to get my head around. Um, so I, I think he's going to game manage. I think that's going to be yeah. his role to control the side and that others will play off the back of that. He, he's still going to have spark and he's still going to have involvement, but I think his primary goal is a good kicking game, put him in good areas, momentum, you know, field possession. I think that's why they've got SJ. Any love for... Uh, You've got Chanel Harris-Tavita as your, as your shout. I've got Cody. I've got no love for Cody for Classic. Um, but any love for, on your side for Chanel Harris-Tavita or are you just worried that job security is probably a little bit too flimsy? 
I, the job security does concern me, but I think um, I think CHT is around the three twenty mark, which is an absolute steal if true, because his previous numbers are way better than a three twenty price range. So if if he was named, he's certain. Like I would, t- if CHT is named, I'd take him over um, your boy Hastings. Right. For example, what about someone like an Adam Clune? I think Adam Clune's two ninety off the top of my head. So Clune's a touch cheaper than, than CHT. I think so. Um, you stall for time. Give me your thoughts on on Chanel Harris Tavita. I guess from his Supercoach. What you predict from him while I get up Adam Clune's price? I just think he's a better a better game manager than Cody is. Cody's Cody showed last year that he could have moments where he was really high and he'd do really flashy things and then. I remember when everyone jumped on the bloke when he was killing it. Then all of a sudden he went down the toilet and he went missing at key moments and he went missing in a big, big way. I, I don't think CHT is going to do that. Are you? Are you I, just, I feel like... Are you just putting a bit of bias against Cody because he nearly single-handedly ruined your season last year at about round 19? <laughs> no, I, I think he's the best pick, to be honest with you. I, I don't really care either way. It doesn't bother me who they pick. If they're going to pick, though, they need to stick is one thing I will say. But I just think that it should be CHT. Yeah. It's, I think Cody it's, yeah. is more – Cody makes a bit – Cody's my 14, spoiler alert. But I think he is better coming off the bench because he can fill more than, say, CHT can coming off the bench. So so Chanel harris is 319, available dual position half and 5.8. And Adam Clune is 293K. And halfback only. So what's that? 30K cheaper or 30K more expensive than someone like a Clune and then you get the upside of the 5 eighth, or would you take a punt on Clune over CHT? No, I, I don't think I would. I, I I think Clune's a really good player, but Newcastle worry me this year. They really do. You know what, mate? When I sat down with you in October and said, hey, do you want to do this full time with me? I didn't expect us to be having an Adam Clune versus Neil Harris-DeVita debate uh, two weeks out, <laughs> two weeks out from from the season. So, interesting turn. Um, look, I made it. I'll make it no secret. I've got Chanel Harris Tavita as my six, and I've also got Cody as my nine, as my fourteen. So, no, sorry, I've got Cody as my six, and Chanel Harris Tavita as my fourteen. The other way around from what you have it. So, that right. just that probably just goes to show you that they're interchangeable, and and that's probably yeah. Like whoever's whoever's it, whoever's it, the, the six will be it. The other will be at the fourteen. You, you would imagine. Um, let's touch on SJ, mate, because I know that he is mass owned by the masses. Uh, he was in my side when you and I did our team reveals way back when. I've gone cold. I've gone cold basically the week after we did that podcast, and I've never warmed up to SJ again. Yeah, I haven't really. I've had fleeting moments with SJ just because it is a nice price, and the jewel is very, very handy. I raised my eyebrows before when you said that he had been goal kicking. If he's goal kicking, it's a different conversation. If he's goal kicking with that draw, I'd probably pick him. To be honest with you, it's oh, just he, I don't trust. He'd be that practicing because he'll... he's probably second in line. Worst case, like it'll either be him or Walsh, and then whoever doesn't will be the backup. So of course he's, he's going to be practicing. Yeah, Sean John. Sure. Sean... Like, without goal kicking, I think I've got him as a trap because I think people think he's going to be the 65 average Sean Johnson of old. And I just don't think that he's going to be. I think his role's going to change a little bit and he's not going to get as much of the creative junk that he used to, you know, piss out for fun. I, I, I've got him as a little bit of a trap, but if he's goal kicking, it changes my mind a little bit. So that is an interesting point. So 
Sean Johnson at 467k versus Toby Sexton at 434k. That seems to be the big, um, not debate, but that seems to be the what people are having in their size. Where are you leaning on that fence? I think I'd take SJ. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, so Sexton will be locked in to be will be goal kicking, and then he's got um, AJ Brimson next to him. I don't know if I'm, and, and obviously um, Sexton has the better work rate out of the two. No denying that. It's a, it's a it's a tough one, but I've got you know ten plus years of love for Sean Johnson as an absolute super coach weapon. And that gives me the faith that I don't have yet in Sexton after four games. The amount I've talked him up, I think though, I'd go SJ. The, the amount I've talked him up, I've probably got 10 years of love for Sexton with the amount that I've wrapped him up, despite only playing five <laughs> games, four games. Um, the front rowers, mate, they, they picked themselves. Matt Lodge, Adam Finnell-Blake, you and I, both our desks were raised an inch off the ground after watching AFB in the very, very short time that we saw of him in the trials. Looks lean, looks fit. The coaches love him. Everything points towards AFB being the guy, and he, he is. He's training the house down. We'll just we'll just go out and say it. How much are we creating on this AFB debate, or is he going to be the guy? I mean, I think you tipped him as a top five front row forward about two months ago, and if he stays injury free, I don't see why he isn't. And at, sorry, at five oh, at five hundred and five k as well. Like that's the lowest that we'll get AFB. He won't go below five hundred and five k if he does what you and I think he's going to do. Yeah, I, I think he's going a 65-plus average this year. I think he's picking at 505, and you can pretty much hold him for the season. I, I keep having a debate whether or not I go Payne Harsel, AFB, and I just think that I'm going to get similar output from both, but one is 80K cheaper than the other. So I, I'm really high on AFB, and I think he's in for a very big season. I've got Payne Harsel around 72, 73. I've got AFB around 64, 65. Is eight points really worth the eighty k? I'm not Maybe. sure. That's uh, that's the hard thing. Like, is Payne Haas going to burn you? No, no, I don't think so. And that's the reason why I'm going away from that and going to someone like an AFB is because I feel like Payne Haas will always be in reach. And AFB, yeah, if I, you miss it, AFB can go up 150 k within the space of six weeks or not yet. 150 k in six seven weeks. And then you scramble and define 150k. Whereas Payne Haas, you're picking him. He's not, you're not going to lose cash, but I don't think you're going to make a whole lot either. Yeah, I think he's within reach. So that's why I haven't opted at the moment to start with him. He's been in and in and out of my side. I think I prefer going for Newell Blake, especially with the draw. You never know; he might get a few meaties, or you know, we saw on the week. I saw him on the weekend. You know, throw a. I think it was a, a line break assist. So. You know, he's got good hands. I just feel like with the draw, with the potential, with the fitness, and with his leadership within that team, he's going to really step up over the opening four to six weeks. 10K cheaper, we can get Matt Lodge as well. Any any thoughts on, on Matt Lodge? Uh, won't play Origin. Um, had a real bounce back here last year. I think he was available at 320K last year. I tipped him for a huge season. Um, did his hamstring, I think, round two or round three. Then got the move to the Warriors and just became like just the old Matt Lodge. Like Matt Lodge from years gone by, average 62, 63, and that was four or five years ago. And so that, that was a fantastic score for your front row forwards. And he, he looked he looked like that last year, and people worried about the game moving away from guys like him. But I was really impressed with how he stepped up and and was just producing week in, week out. Obviously, he has a hot head. We, we know that. 
But when it comes to from what he was doing on the field, like I was, I was very impressed with Matt Lodge. Two years ago, we all jumped on when he came back to the NRL. We all jumped on Matt Lodge, and I think a lot of us held Matt Lodge for a majority of the season. He was just a stalwart. Like you always knew you were going to get, you know, about 50, 55 points a week at the time. And, and that was good enough. When he went to the Warriors, he, he seemed to take it to another level. And in terms of the rule changes and whatnot, the rule changes can benefit anyone if you think about it. Like if you're a front row forward that's got a big motor and you're running at, at forwards that are, are getting tired and backs that are getting tired, then there's going to be holes there for you too. Holes to free an arm, holes to, you know, throw a pass and, and put a guy through a gap or, or run over the top of someone. So I think people with the rule changes thinking that it only applies to backs isn't correct. It can certainly apply to the big men too, in my opinion. Yeah, because the big men get tired. No, no denying that. But that means the defense also gets tired as well. I think you, you raise a great point. The nine, when it comes to the hooker, there's... A lot of Warriors fans don't seem to like Wade Egan. They feel like he stifles the attack or whatever, but I feel like Wade, Wade Egan is too good not to have in your side, but he's not the kind of guy to bring off the bench. I feel like Wade Egan can start the game, give you a really good foundation, uh, and then you can bring on a bit of flair after that. And that's the reason why I've got him as my nine. Um, no love for him for Supercoach, because I feel like the minutes won't be there, depending on if they carry CHT, Jazz, Cody, whoever off the bench. There'll always be the question over his minutes. But I feel like he's just too good to leave out of the side completely, and he's not the kind of guy that I'd have coming off the bench. So that leaves him starting for mine. For mine. Yeah, look, I don't particularly rate the bloke too highly, but I do have him as the nine. Personally, if I was doing their squad, I'd, I'd build Cody Nicarima and turn him into a nine. But I don't see that happening. So, yeah, Egan's the nine. No interest from me, super coach-wise. Just a average kind of hooker in my opinion. I don't, don't think he's going to set the world on fire. No, uh, less said about him, the better, but yeah, I do like him as a, as a foundation setter. Hey, let's talk these back rowers because we've, we've been presented to really good options when it comes to super coach. One, I'm going colder on and that is Ewan Aitken. Uh, just, I don't know. He was great last year. Fantastic. I think he averaged 80 odd in the games that he spent that he wasn't injured. So he was phenomenal. Can he do it again? That's the that's the big question. Uh, playing on the left, so won't be with Sean Johnson, and that's the reason why I much prefer the other back row that we'll talk about in a second. But where are you thinking with you and Aiken? Obviously, has the the two RF centre wing eligibility, which is highly highly desired. Uh, I've gone away from it myself as well. I when I saw the game, his involvement wasn't as much as I liked, and that did concern me a little bit, but I think I've, I've said, you know, I can't preach that we don't want to take too much from the trials for certain players, but I was a little bit worried with, with, with his involvement that he did hang back and not get involved more in the play. 500 K is somewhat of an awkward price. If he, if he doesn't do the things that we all think and hope that he's going to do and, and be a 65 or 70, average back rower based on what we did see in the sample size last year, then it could just become an, I wouldn't say an awkward hold because at center, I'm sure there's still value there, but personally I've gone the cheaper route and I just feel like there's, there's points, there's points in Eli Katoa, there's money to be made in Eli Katoa. And I really think he's, he's pushing towards some type of breakout season. I've, I've got him as my X factor in this squad. 
I'm I'm pretty much set that I'm I'm definitely going to take this guy now. Oh boy, I wish I had that prepped because I remember when we did the two RF breakdown. Didn't someone on this podcast absolutely slam Elikatoa? I made this big spiel about why he could definitely jag a bench spot and then work his way back from that after Nathan Brown. And I think someone on this podcast maybe disagreed with me and, and potentially uh, gave him the Sean Lane treatment. I can't remember. Maybe I was on the beers. I can definitely Things remember. Things change in super coach. I can definitely remember it. I'll have to find that one to play back next week. But hey, mate, you and Aiken, 486K available center wing to RF. 499K, we can get Jack Bird. Where on the fence are you sitting between Aiken and Bird? I'd probably flip a coin. I, I honestly don't know. I'm kind of sitting on the fence here. I, Aiken's been in my side for probably 80% of the preseason or since the team picker came out to now. So I'll have to lean with Aiken, I'd say. Aiken's been in my side since the day Supercoach opened until yesterday when he, when he he exited it for the first time. So very interesting. Look, rounds 20 to 24 uh, were the games that he had sort of non-injury affected games at the back row. 81 Supercoach average, 51.6 base, 68.4 base power, four tries, two line breaks, 21 tackle busts, 10 missed tackles, zero offloads. The bloke does not pass the ball. I think there was a really good stat getting around about how he had... In all the games he played Great. in the back row, he never made a never made a pass, even to his centre. Um, and his final final three round average was sixty two point eight. So I think that's when the tries dried up and the points sort of went down a little bit. Four hundred eighty six k. If these tries don't come, the thing with him is he's he's got a shelf life. I feel, and it's a case of whether. Right, I'll, I'll put this question to you: Who who comes out when Tohu comes back? Because Tohu's going to go to 13, and then Josh Curran's going to go to an edge. But is it for, is it for Aiken, and then Aiken pushes Arthur's out? Or is it for Eli Katoa? Because I feel like if Eli Katoa lights the world on fire, you can't take the jersey off him. Very interesting question, and I I don't know the answer, because Tohu on the edge would play on the right side. Tohu's not going to play <sighs> on the edge, though. Tohu's come out and said he's a middle. Nathan Brown said he's a middle. Tohu prefers playing in the middle. So Josh Curran's on, is going to get shifted out, and then Tohu will play 13. And then it's a case of, yeah, who comes out? Does Eli Katoa, does Josh Curran play on the on the left edge and then Arthur drops out and then Aiken pushes to the centers? Or, or like, what's the case? Like, it's for the first the time. Easiest solution is is obviously to just to move Aiken into center. He yeah. played there for years and years and years. I think it'll be a shootout. I, I think it'll be best man wins. Go out there, perform. Whoever's the best back rower over the first six to 10 weeks when Tolhu comes back. They'll be the casualty and they'll get shuffled around, I suppose. It's a great problem to have if you're Nathan Brown because they obviously had Ben Murdoch Masilla come into the side last year and didn't set the world on fire and probably didn't deliver as best as he wanted to or the best that he could. And then you've got this guy, Eli Katoa, who got dropped to reserve grade, has come back with like a fire under his belly, uh, stick up his ass. Like he has trained the house down. He's been one of the best performers all preseason. So that's basically what you want. That, that's the response you want from a guy that got dropped, a young kid that got dropped. Plenty can chuck their toys out of the pram and, and give it up. But it seems like Eli Katoa has, yeah, taken, not taken it personally, but taken his motivation and, and gotten back to what he wants to be. And we know he's got all the potential in the world to be an absolute bolter. And all the talk is that he'll start on the right edge and he'll start in my side. He's specifically requested to play outside Sean Johnson as well, which is a huge tick in my book. I, I am so, he's probably the guy that, 
I am more like he's the one that's raised the most in my books when in the last two weeks. I'm so keen on Eli Katoa and it's going to take a lot to drag him out of my side if his name come teamless Tuesday. Absolutely. I think he's become a bit of a bolter. I don't think he was on too many people's radars un- until the last few weeks. And, and since we saw his performance on the weekend, we found out the news from a few sources that, you know, he was training the house down, I guess, <laughs> to use a cliche term. And then love that term playing outside SJ. Well, 350 or 40 or however much he costs is sounds like a bit of a steal. We've seen what, seen what he can do in the past. It's under SJ. It's unders like from, for the price he's at, it's unders for what he can produce. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's it for Elikato. Number 13, Josh Curran, absolutely tore the house down last year. Like he, he belted onto the scene. He was scoring tries for fun. Very frustrating to watch because he just dragged him out of nowhere. I'm not keen this year and I've, I've copped it. I've copped it for saying that 585k available to RF last year, averaged 67 owned by 8% of teams. I'm not keen on him in 13. I know people can say that he's going to float in and out. He's going to play that Tohu role. He'll play on the edge a little bit and whatever, but I just don't see it. I didn't see it in the All-Star game. The trials will tell an interesting point. I'm not keen. I feel like there's too many what-ifs when it comes to Josh Curran, and if you're paying only 600k for a guy, I don't want to be asking what-ifs. I want to be dealing in in absolutes. So, I don't know. I know that, that you have a lot of... I think he's a fantastic NRL player. Don't get me wrong. If he signed for the Tigers, man, I'd be over the moon doing backflips. But when it comes to Supercoach, at him at 13, him at, him on the edge is a very different situation. Um, but him at 13, I'm, I'm definitely not keen on. I don't mind the at 13 thing. I don't even mind the Madison at 13 thing. I've always liked locks. I've, I typically have gone for locks over edges until they the rules changed. So I, I don't mind Curran this season. For me, it's always just been Madison's there and he's cheaper. Why would I take Curran when I can get Madison? And then even Tamalolo as well, you know, he's he's 100K cheaper. And prior to the, the news, obviously, that he's carrying a hammy, I was more interested in saving that money there and hoping that Tamalolo, who's a proven long-term guy, can go back to those areas. So... Curran comes with a little bit of risk, but I don't think I don't think it's as bad as kind of the, what you're saying. I think he'll be a really good average. I think he'll average sixty plus. I'm just not sure if he's going to average sixty seven like he did last year. I'll give you a couple of stats. These these are potentially skewed. Like you can make stats for any argument you want, but last year he averaged sixty seven. He went over that average twenty seven percent of the time last year. So 63% of the time, he went under 67. And when I'm paying 600K for a guy, I don't want to do that. Look, granted, it's a bit it's a bit slanted because he came off the bench and played a couple of games at 13, a couple of games at in the back row or whatever. But the thing that concerns me, not concerns me, but the thing I want to highlight is in, what is it, four weeks, I think, no, in seven weeks, he had two tries, three try assists, four line breaks, four line break assists, in seven weeks on the edge. I just don't think the numbers are sustainable at 13. And that's the that's the sticking point for me. You can say he's going to float in and out of attack at, on the edge or whatever, but he's going to be spending a large majority of his time at 13 in the middle. Uh, it's the same reason why I wasn't overly keen on Cam McInnes for, for the exact same reason. Like the same reason I'm not overly keen on Brandon Smith. You lose that attack 
playing on an edge, you can target your halfback and centers and, and run good lines there. At 13, you're running into the big boys in the middle. You've got less room to be creative, less room to sort of get on the outside of a man because there's always a big body on the inside. I just feel like his base power is like 55, which, yeah, I mean, it's, it's okay. But that, that attack dries up. That's a little bit less than what he's going to average. And I'm not saying he's a trap, not at all. I just don't feel he's he's this golden egg that what everyone's uh, hoping he's going to be. And that's my big thing. We will find out soon, mate. We will find out soon. I'll either 40, 46 base is pretty good, but... 56 base power. Um, so I'll either be very smug after five weeks when the draw dries up, or I will be ranked 20,000th and copying it from everyone. So it's the beauty of making content everyone. in Supercoach, mate. It's the beauty. Hey, the bench, you've got Cody uh, Nicarima as your 14. I've got Chanel Harris-Tavita as my 14. As we said before, they're interchangeable. The benches, like the the, the other bench spots, is, the other bench spots are interesting. Um, I've got Jazz Tavanga as my fifteen. I feel like he can just cover thirteen back row if he needs to prop. He can cover hooker. I mean, like he's just a bloke that just doesn't care what's got to be done. He'll just get it done. I really like Jazz. Just realised I don't have Jazz in my team. Oh, quickly! You better make that change on the fly. Because Jazz, Jazz has to be there for me. Like he's he's just a bloke. Yeah, he's he's a bloke that you want on your. I side. I don't know who I drop. He's a bloke that you want on your side. Like if you're down and out, you're you're middle forward. You 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 battered, bruise. Your coach has hooked you off. You see Jazz coming on. Mm. You think, all right, we're sweet here. Jazz is just going to give his all for 25, 30 minutes. He's just going to rip in and not care about what happens to him. Um, I've also got Aaron Pano. Uh, it was a toss up between him or Ben Murdoch Masilla. When when it comes to this bench spot, this is the thing when you carry a, a utility fourteen, you only got three three really bench spots to, to play your middles in. And how are we gonna do that? I've I've gone with Aaron Penne, and shout out to Anton Poser. I've also gone with Bunty Afoa as my seventeen. Okay, I've got Bunty in my seventeen. I've got Aaron Penne as my sixteen as well. I don't think he moved to that club to not play within the seventeen. I had Cody at the 14, as already discussed. I had Bailey Sirenin in the 15. You've got a big heart on for Bailey. He was your bolter. Before Eli Katoa, before Eli Katoa, like, hit the ground running, I'll, I'll let everyone know, Brew had this, like, sneaky pod that he didn't want to tell anyone about. It was Bailey Sirenin. And, yeah, unfortunately, Eli Katoa has taken that limelight. Um, I'd have Jazz over Bailey. I know that you love him, but you've got to have Jazz in there. Yeah, I would. Jazz would have to be there. Over Bailey, which and I've got Ben Murdoch Masilla as my eighteen. So basically, our squads are exactly the same. We've just got a couple of people. We've just got the six and fourteen switched. flipped around, yeah. Which, yeah, which everyone's debating who's going to be the half. So there's no surprise that if we're going to have a difference, it's going to be in that position. Definitely, um, mate. Let's talk. Let's talk cheapies and let's talk Aaron Pano because for me, he he was in a very similar boat to Ethan Bullymore two weeks ago. So, obviously, we, we weren't keen on Bullymore at 280. We didn't feel like there was a whole lot of value there. If we're not keen on Ethan Bullymore at 280 with dual position, I don't see how we can be keen on Aaron Panay at 280 with only the single position. No, I'm finding it hard this season, personally, to to fund guys that are in this kind of awkward price range, especially in a position like front row forward. I'm really hoping we get Max King. Otherwise, you've got uh, Moiroa. Uh, who's the other jewel? Uh, the fella from the Knights. Hopefully we get him. So I'd rather save the money because you're going to need the money. This year we've got a couple of blokes that are extremely expensive. And if you want to have these guys on your side, 
you've got to kind of shred that cash anywhere you can. So Penne is a no for me. Bullimore is a little bit different because potentially a guy like Bullimore could be your second front row forward if, if he were to start the season he, and he's there for five or six weeks. He so is, He is my second front row forward now as we speak. Mine, Mine's Ryan James. I, I just have this feeling that with Flegler suspended for the first three weeks, James will get the start. And I don't think that when Flegler comes back, he'll immediately displace James. I think it'll take a few more weeks. So I'm hoping James can start well enough to get me, say, even if it's just 50, 55 points a week, to save me the cash that I need to use in other areas and then make some cash on the back of that because, you know, he's not priced at a 50-plus average. So I'd make a sneaky bit of cash and he ain't, he ain't then start, hopefully... He ain't starting in my book. <laughs> not with the way Kobe, I think he will, but... Not with the way Kobe Hetherington played in the trials. I feel like you move Pat Carrigan to front row, Kobe Hetherington comes in and plays 13. Uh, I, I don't see well where Ryan James starts... Unfortunately, I want him to because we will Ryan, see. We Ryan, will see. Ryan James, bit of a bit of a super coach trivia. This is some pub knowledge for anyone out there. Um, Ryan James and Andrew Vafita both have the combined highest score for a front row four with 150 points. So yeah, just a, just a bit of uh, random trivia that I know that I shouldn't know, um, but I do. <laughs> so if Ryan James could hit 150 the first three weeks, mate, this podcast better be everyone's number one because if Bruce making a shout. For big, for big Ryan James. Um, but yeah, look, Aaron Panay, no. I'd much rather Ethan Bullymore. If I had to pick one of them, even if they're both coming off the bench, I'm taking Bullymore just because the fact that he's got the jewel. Um, Josh Alloway, Josh Alloway is out for a couple of weeks. I don't really think Bullymore. Uh, I don't really think Panay gets huge minutes, even if Matt Lodge is suspended for that first week. I think there's just better options at the at the Warriors that, that they'll they'll use, and they might bring Panay on as a bit of a impact player. Uh Mate, is it fair to call AFB a stud or is he more of an X factor now before he proves himself to be that elite guy? Yeah, I think you'd have to throw him. I think he will be a stud, but I think he probably falls more in the X factor category. And who was your biggest trap when it comes to the New Zealand Warriors? It was actually SJ if he's not kicking. For the reasons I stated earlier, not not I that see. he's going to have a bad season, but I don't think he's going to have a 65 average plus season and be the, the SJ that was at the Warriors previously. Oh, I want to say Josh Curran. I really want to say Josh Curran. I want him to average 60 points a game. That's seven points of decreased value. I don't know if I've got You can say it. I, I wanted to say Reese Walsh, but then I was like, I'll get absolutely savaged for that. <laughs> Warriors fans will rinse you for saying Reese Walsh. Um, oh. oh. Lucky I didn't say it. Uh, <laughs> I'll say Cody Nicarima as my trap if he starts. Just so Love can, it. Just so I can be safe there. Hey, that's going to wrap it up, mate. We've got one more team left. Uh, we've got the Tigers. I really don't want to talk about them, even as a Tigers fan. I've redone my ladder today with sort of the updated changes. And what are they last? My boys are getting the... Sp- hey, we're getting five spoons this year because we've got five captains. So give one to Madge as well after he's sacked in round eight. Who knows? That's, that's going to wrap it up for today, guys. Uh, I've been your host, Yassi Whisperer. I've been joined, as always, by Brew SC. Supercoach is just around the corner. Um, we've got a couple of groups. Brew has uh, made the Dual Position podcast uh, overall group. I've obviously got my own SC Whisperer one. Uh, next podcast, we will announce those codes that you can join. Um, I've got some pretty cool prizes in my SC Whisperer one. And then I think the Dual Position podcast group is just for a bit of... Uh, 
bit of bragging rights. You can see uh, just by how many thousands of places I beat Brew by this year. Mate, where can we find you uh, where everyone wants to go ask you questions? At BrewSC22 on Twitter. And I've, I've been quite active lately, so if you want to chat Supercoach, come hit me up. 22 stands for the, the, the amount of thousand places he'll be behind me this year as well. So I've been your host, Jesse Whisper. You've been listening to the Jewelverson Podcast. I very much thank you all for joining us once again. Brew, mate, until next time. Ciao for now. Yeah, so I'll just point out that I beat Josh by over 29,000 ranks last year. Hey, Ciao for now. Wasn't that bad. Bye. Bye.